Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is a Comics Alternative special. A roundtable discussion with comics podcasters for International Podcast Day 2016. You know, I'm here with some wonderful guests, uh, John Suntris from Word Balloon, John Mayo from the Comic Book Page, and Chris Marshall from the, I guess, Back Again uh, Collected <laughs> Comics Library. And what we wanted to do for uh, International Podcast Day, September 30th, is to get together, talk about podcasting, especially as it relates to comics, comics appreciation, comics reading, comics fandom, comics studies. And, um, you know, I was saying this right before we started to record, but, you know, you guys have been doing this a long time. I'm the new kid on the block, so I want to learn from you. You know, I, I always put this in uh, astronaut terms, and uh, Chris Marshall and I started in 2005, and I, I'm reasonably certain he started earlier than me. Oh, by maybe a, a week, John. Yeah, really? All right, was, I, I, no, I think the first one actually was Augie. Uh, Augie DeBleek. Oh, sure, sure, sure. But I'm just saying and, amongst us and everything. Yeah, you're right. Augie DeBleek in the pipeline. Augie, yeah, and I came, and then. Uh, uh, you know, comic geeks, comic geek speak, and then you were right there. So, what, yeah, mu- what month of 2005 were you? Uh, it was. Um, you don't uh, remember? Fe- February, February. Okay. Because the following year uh, was 2006, and that's when I met you. That I had been podcasting for a year, a year and a half, and that's when I met you uh, and John uh, mm-hmm. for, at uh, Comic Con. Yeah, in San Diego, absolutely. All right, so you started in February of 05. I started in May of 05. So I always say, like, anybody who started in 2005, we're like the Mercury astronauts. Mm-hmm. We are. Yeah. And Johnny, when did you start? Uh, well, I was on my first podcast as a guest at the uh, January 2006. I started my own podcast in January of 2007. Okay. But I've been going weekly since uh, August, uh, late August 2007. Okay, but yeah, so yeah, I would say he's like a, you know, we're like Mercury astronauts. Johnny's like a Gemini astronaut. <laughs> now, Derek, you, you're like a, sh- you're like a shuttle pilot. Yeah. I gotta be honest. <laughs> no offense. It's still an astronaut. Don't get me wrong. That's a good thing. I'm a, I'm a, hey man, I love all the astronauts and stuff, but no, that's my, all right. Now, now you guys can, you know, poop on me if you want. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think this is great, uh, you know, because not only have we been podcasting for different lengths of time, um, but also each of our shows have a different focus because, I mean, I, you know, I think with, with any um, medium, if you say I, I have a podcast in such and such, you know, I podcast about soap operas, I podcast about beekeeping, I po- podcast about comics, I, I think that those on the outside would tend to think – you know, you're all the same. Um, but actually, we each have our own niche. Sure. 
and uh, you know e- even even within uh, comics appreciation. Uh, so I mean, I, I just think that that's uh, that's an interesting way of going about this, which, which leads me to to one of the things I wanted to ask you guys again, since you've been in this game for for so much longer. I mean, how do you think that, or how do you see? Um, podcasting about comics has changed since you started. That's that's a very interesting question because uh, the industry has changed so much since we all started. Um, I mean, even uh, I guess it was only about a year or so before you started, Derek. Uh, digital was was still on the horizon as as recently as 2011. But then with the new 52 at DC, bam, that came into being. And at that point, it got to where being a comic book reader no longer necessitated going to a comic book store. And I think that was potentially a game changer for comic book podcasters because now we were a a very viable way to recreate kind of that comic book shop talk, if you will, uh, for people who never set foot into a comic book store. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's just we've become, I think, increasingly relevant. I think we were always relevant, um, but it now serves a, a, an audience that isn't going to be hearing about or having these sorts of discussions potentially any other way. And I sometimes wonder how many of the people in the, the publishing side of comic books really truly appreciate uh, that aspect of, of kind of the community building we're doing. You know, that's a good question because um, I know, John, I hear you often on your preview show um, invite those in the industry to contribute uh, clips where they could play up their own upcoming titles. Uh, it, it's a rarity that I hear a publisher doing that. And um, I mean, I'm just wondering if the kind of things that we do. Unless we reach out to those, and, and, and usually it's been, uh, at least with with, uh, with our podcast, The Comics Alternative, it's the creators themselves. But every now and again, we reach out to publishers. Um, but I'm, I don't know if this is something that those who are in publishing, comics publishing, would seek out on their own if we didn't prod them. I mean, is that the impression that uh, you guys have when it comes to podcasting? Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I think uh, both Marvel and DC – well, DC is not podcasting, but they certainly are uh, vlogging. Mm-hmm. And and I think that kind of – you know, with their own product. Marvel has been vlogging and podcasting for several years now. Um, I, I can only speak uh, as far as my own experience and slightly disagree with John because, um, you know, f- for example, I get to sit in on the Marvel press conferences – and those are really the news website blogs and word balloon. And I was really surprised and, and pleased that they asked me to join them. And, you know, so they, they see value in, in, in my podcast, I think, and in, involving my community and giving them an opportunity to hear the direct podcast. Because really, everybody else is obviously just, this is what they said. These are the mm-hmm. quotes. And it really was exciting for me to say, here, even better, much like uh, sports, and you get those great post-game – well, if you're, if you're as much of a nerd about sports as you might be about other pursuits, that you really appreciate that post-game uh, talk with the coach and the press. Because you know if you're really into it, as comic fans are, you want to hear even this kind of stuff. So uh, I, I really think that's, you know, that's a way that they've included me. 
And uh, but it's it's usually still I mean, 90 percent creator first. Everyone's got to toot their own horn, whether it is mm-hmm. they're, they're working for Marvel or DC or they are, you know, an independent. So, you know, it, it really is a different. I mean, and, and these guys are savvy enough. And luckily, as the industry has grown, the creators certainly appreciate us. And that's really all that matters, because this is, mm-hmm. you know, as, as John said, it's a, it's a changing market. And because of the success of creator owned books. You know, the creator, I think, is a more powerful person than ever before. And actually, in in New York, I'm going to hear from some creators that can tell me if that's true or not. But that's my perception. No, and I I would agree with you. I think maybe it's not so much uh, what I was saying where I said they don't uh, appreciate appreciate us. Maybe it's they don't fully understand how to use us. Because I think you being at some of those press conferences and literally being able to have the, the audio clips, like you said, there's a fundamental difference from reading... So and so said this, this, that, and the other versus hearing how they said that that yep. exact thing. Um, it just seems like there's so many comic book podcasts out there. The fact that they don't at some of these companies, and again, I'm thinking more Marvel, DC, the big boys, and stuff, um, don't have just like audio clips as commercials touting whichever titles they want touted, and just you know, hey, distribute them to all the podcasts or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, there there are opportunities there they're not availing themselves of. That having been said, there are times they definitely do reach out to the podcast community uh, to get the word out and stuff like that. So they're certainly not oblivious to us. Um, and I, I do hope they really appreciate what we're trying to do for the industry. Um, it just, you know, again, with the, the preview spotlight, it I find it staggering that I've been doing that for uh, – I think I'm on 108 is the next one of those episodes I'm doing, and I don't know that I've had a single – I I think I've had one or two publishers do one or two clips. I've had some creators do stuff, but here's something where I'm giving them a prime opportunity to push whatever product they want to push to an audience that's receptive to that, and there's not the adoption of that that I would have expected. I think think in my experience that – you know – that I have wonderful relationships with companies and I have honed that throughout my 10, 11 years of podcasting. And, uh, you know, I know word balloon has done that too with the creator side, but my side, and you guys know this, but our listeners right now may not know that my relationships are really not so much with the creators and the artists and the writers as they are with the editors and the business people that help run the publishing companies. So, uh, you know, and it's a it's careful, you know. I don't want to piss anybody off. I I don't want to take any, you know, payola as as John is well aware of that, you know. And uh, but it but it happens, right? But I am I'm very pleased that I have maintained my relationships with uh, large publishers and medium sized publishers and small publishers. Uh, and those interviews, I, I kind of rarely do interviews. There was a time where I kind of got into it, uh, but you know, those are still one of my most power my pop, popular episodes. Uh, which you know leaves me to leave. I should be doing more of them, but you know I I, I do get contacted. Uh, even this afternoon, I got contacted by a publisher to uh, you know they send me a digital copy of their book, and this isn't some small time nobody Kickstarter. This is a, a major publisher that we would all know, but you know, and I'm I'm happy to uh, to help them out and and promote uh, their product. And um, yeah, I mean there's there's definitely a relationship there, and there's no doubt about it. But uh, yeah, I'm. 
you know, so it, it, it comes and goes. And anybody who's looking to get into podcasting and wants that relationship, uh, you know, it's it's walk, don't run. You've got to hone those uh, relationships. And uh, and both John and John know that you've got to go to uh, conventions and write them and be in front of them and to, uh, and to make sure. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but I mean, nobody's asked me for my numbers, uh, but, you know, they know that if they if they want a, a reprint edition out or if they need help, and they want to push it. They know I'm one of the guys to call for sure, and I really appreciate that. Mm. Well, and I think that's a, another thing. Mentioning you know people who might want to start doing podcasting and stuff is I think each one of us have a particular kind of aspect that we're known for. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris, you're really known for for doing the the trade paperbacks and being incredibly knowledgeable there. Uh, John, you're really well known for for the the extensive interviews and stuff you do. And for me, it's uh, the number crunching and the sales stuff and whatnot. And I think having that kind of unique identity as a podcaster versus just being another comic book podcast, well, we get new books, we read new books, we talk about it, uh, you need something to kind of set yourself apart. Yep, mm-hmm. right. absolutely. Yeah. That's that's where I was going to go is because honestly, and I, had, and I hope people don't take this the wrong way, but I'm really not for – a lot more uh, comic book podcasts because there are so many and the best and worst thing about any kind of podcasting is anybody can do it. And if there is, and there might be still uh, with older people, a lack of respect towards podcasting. It is because anyone can do it. And just like John said, they think more of the group reviewing books. Listen, there's value to that. If you can, you know, show that you've got a real sizable audience that you, and that's what you do. But like John just said, there are so many of those right now. So to really have a point of view that is distinct is, I would say, very necessary. And there are still aspects of comic book podcasting that I'd like to see more uh, uh, focus on, like the library system. I mean, as, mm, as yeah. you know, I mean, look at look at all the great uh, graphic novels that libraries get provide free to the community. It's a great solution for that college kid who has to stop reading because they can't afford it. And I would love to hear more from librarians in terms of what they pick. Sometimes it's very controversial and literally becomes a community issue in terms of sex or, or you know, whatever the moral standards or community standards are in, in any region. So that's all really interesting. And I, and I think, again, adds to the bigger conversation that comic book podcasting has. And, right. I, and I just well, don't see it. Th- there actually well, is a podcast out there that uh, is devoted to – I believe it's exclusively devoted to comics, and it's primarily for and by librarians. Okay. And so, I, what's the, the name? Uh, the name escapes me right now. Okay. Uh, but I know that one of our co-hosts on the Comics Alternative and, – and we have several now. It started off with mm-hmm. just me and Andy Kunkka, but we've grown to the point that we – incorporate a number of different people and one of our co-hosts is a public librarian and he was a guest on this show and i can't remember the name of it uh, as soon as i turn off the mic i'm sure i will but, but you know you're right about finding the niche because when you know i was listening to all all three of you guys and 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 other podcasts um when we decided to start the comics alternative but in one of the first questions we ask ourselves is how are we going to differentiate ourselves and we thought, okay, we will not discuss mainstream superheroes, not because we don't like it. Uh, both Andy Kunkka and I, we read that stuff. It's just sure. about every other podcast about comics out there deals with that mostly or exclusively. And we thought, okay, a way for us to stand out is to look at anything other than mainstream superheroes. So, And that's where we came up with our name, Comics Alternative, 
And, and I think at first some people thought we were being you know, academic snobs. Actually, I have a problem <laughs> with academic snobs, those who are in comic studies who won't give the time of day to mainstream and specifically superhero. I have a pro- big problem with that. But again, we've just said in our mission statement, this is what we do. And and we've, we've stuck with that uh, throughout uh, these past you know, four-plus years now. Um, so, so that's how we differentiate ourselves. But, but he, here's the issue with us. I know that it limits us in terms of audience by making that decision, but we're okay with it. Uh, I know absolutely, we would, you should be okay with yeah, it. Yeah, we would, we would, we would get funny. a larger listenership if we did deal with, uh, let's say, more with the mainstream. But you know, yeah, but do do the show you want to do, and I'm sure, right. and obviously yeah. you're doing that, Derek. Exactly. And I know we all are. So that's, I mean, that's, and you know, obviously the same could be said for for Chris John or me. Because yeah, some people here, might think I do too many superhero things. But, go but ahead. John, here's I want to kind of go back to what the original question was and how comic book and podcasting in general has changed since we started. From my perspective, remember, you remember how hard it was just to even record and just <laughs> I mean my yeah. God, my stupid eye river that I had with all you know new sure. battery and everything. I mean, you know, and now it is the reason why podcasting is so popular is because it is so easy. And yep. now you've got a million podcasts out there. You go on iTunes, there's a million podcasts out there and people are getting lost. But you know what? Who aren't getting lost are us four and other podcasts that are like us that have that niche. I know. And the, and guys that kind of want to tout their product on my show, they know I might have a, a smaller show, right? But I also have a dedicated audience. So if they know as I'm a trusted voice and they know you guys are trusted voices. So if you mention something, they will be more likely to go out and buy it, you know, than just a round table of drunks on a Friday night at their local (laughs) store. Seriously. No, I'm not, I'm, I'm being facetious, but you know, it's true. Well, I know other shows like that, and I and oh, I agree know, with you. Several shows like that. <laughs> but that said, no. But you know something? A lot of those shows too have dedicated audiences that are motivated to act on the opinions yeah. of those podcasters, and that's Absol- the great thing. And that's and, and no, and that's and obviously that's Chris's point, you know, and that's true, and and then that is the most gratifying feedback I get, both from listener and creator, because then it's even better when you know. Uh, Dan Slott is in Australia, and he's like, I cannot believe how many people listen to you down here, and that's mm-hmm. great. And he's like, you know, so I'm selling books to Australia because it's like that's good, you know. Yeah. And, I, and and really, even you know, creator own people as well. It's it's that's fantastic, and it's uh and that's great because you it's trust and being around that long builds that trust, and that's you know, Derek, I would say obviously stick with what do the show you want to do, and the great thing is eventually uh, through word of mouth because. Uh, creators also talk to each other as well. And if, you know, they know you're a good show, they're going to say, hey, no, no, talk to that guy. He knows what he's doing. Azarello has done that for me on several occasions. Oh, yeah. Bendis has done that for me. On and Derek, I will say, you know, if you want to start another show, I'm sure John will, will gladly have a, a place for you. I mean, <laughs> he already has 15 shows already going. What's one more? Oh, Which one? Mayo. No, Mayo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that. Um <laughs> I, I consider it one show, just the comic book page podcast. It comes out seven days a week. <laughs> yeah, only three. I do different types of episodes. Yeah, you do. But it's it's really tomato tomato kind of a thing. Right. When you I was hanging, you don't. Uh, oh, I you guess. Don't, yeah, and, uh, no, because honestly, there are several guys out there that I think we all know that do have like twenty five different podcasts, and it's like, listen, I, I because I've really fought with that as well. Art and Franco do their Ah oh Yeah podcast. They came to me, and they're their own brand. 
But other than that, when I have comedians on or documentary people that have nothing to do with comics, that's kind of why I kind of did change the name from the comic book conversation show to the pop culture conversation show. Kind of like Mark Marin with WTF in terms of he's a comedian and originally was comedian talking to comedians, but you know, he really wanted to talk to a lot of music people and other filmmakers and various people like that. And it's broadened the show. And, you know, I, I risk, you know, the people that really only want to hear comic book stuff that they may not want to hear that episode. I'm cool with that because again, I'm doing the show that I want to do. And I'm, I'm about to release an episode like that with Tony Hendra from, uh, Spinal Tap, Spinal Tap's manager from the movie, if you remember. Oh, very cool. That would be cricket awesome. Bat. Yeah, and he oh. also was an editor for National Lampoon Magazine mm-hmm. and made the National Lampoon Radio Hour and albums and has a new National Lampoon album out, first time in 35 years. So, yeah, I'm like, oh, I'm doing this interview. <laughs> oh, and, and if I'm in real fast, because Chris mentioned technical difficulties, I was telling you guys off the air, I had to do an, uh, a couple interviews where literally I'm holding an iPhone to a, to a microphone because my, my – uh, record uh, Skype recording software crapped out, and uh, similar thing happened with Ian, where I really had to boost the volume. It's going to sound like I'm being aroused by my conversation with uh, with Tony Hendra, but that said, no, it's like uh, because really you, you hear this incredible heavy breathing because I had to boost the the volume. But I don't care. It's a great interview, and I'm really proud to have it. And I'm like, oh, everyone's going to have to just l- listen to my nasal passages and really feel bad for me. There comes a point where you've just got to accept that every once in a while you're going to have an episode out there where the audio level is just atrocious for whatever reason or another. I had one of those on one of the uh, the subscription box episodes I did a, a few months ago where I'd come back from a convention. I was using my uh, my Zoom H5 portable recorder, and apparently at one point I had knocked the, the volume dial on my channel without realizing it. <laughs> so I'm going to edit – my sister's track is fine. My track is like a flat line. Yep. And I'm like, well, let's bounce up the gain. And you could hear me, but it was like I was underwater in a submarine. And <laughs> it was horrible. But you know, at that point, it's either you go with it or you don't. Right. You dump it. And yeah, and some things are too good that it doesn't matter. You, go with, you gotta go with yeah. it. Yeah, yeah and you know, to, to, to me as a podcaster and, and as a producer, because, you know, I'm working with a variety of different co-hosts on the Comics Alternative. Again, my, you know, the main co-host is Andy Kunkka, uh, but there are a variety of others. The biggest challenge for me is, I guess, the sound technical aspect, because I don't have complete control over that. Um, now, this... These potential problems occur more often than more often than not with with interviews because we can't count on the interviewee having a good microphone. You know, sometimes they use the microphone that's built into their computer and at times that can sound okay and other times it's 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 really crappy. And and, and we've had occasions where we have had some really bad sound quality from the interviewee's end. And then, you know, I've had to to work with that. Now, uh, another challenge is that each of us, uh, and this has changed over time, but each of us, um, at least a few years ago, were working with different microphones. Now, over time, we have tried to consolidate or to be more consistent with the kind of equipment that we're using. Um, And so that has helped things. But, um, I mean, there are times that there are some of the co-hosts who... 
um, have a little bleed through through their headphones. And so if we're double ending, then I can hear my voice through their mic as well. And so that complicates uh, the sound quality. And so I have to, to finagle things with that. Uh, sometimes people will speak from a distance and I have to keep reminding them through Skype with messaging, you know, please sit closer to the mic. Um, <laughs> but to me, I mean, those are, I mean, outside of, you know, finding time to do all this, I guess that's the biggest challenge. But outside of that, it would be working with the sound quality. But, you know, one of the things I've heard from a variety of different podcasters is that uh, content trumps the sound quality, yep. but not the other way around. And, and I believe that that's the case, to, to a point. To a point, because, yeah, eventually it could be a tune-out. Yeah. You just and can't have, handle it. Right, and I have tuned out of, of podcasts before where the sound is so bad. I'm not going to mention their name, but about two years ago, there was a, a newer kid on the block when it comes to comics podcasting, and they sounded like they were in a toilet bowl because it, 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 they were like sitting across a room from a mic, sitting in the toilet bowl because it had that kind of echoey sound, but it was from sure. a distance, and they didn't do anything to doctor the sound. And so for the first several episodes, they kept saying, we're going to get better equipment. Just hang with us. And, you know, after that second show, I, I decided I'm not going to hang with you anymore because I can't. No, I couldn't yeah. listen to it. I couldn't hear it good. I had to, you know, and, you know, either, you know, jogging with traffic around me or in a car with the outside sound. I just couldn't make it out. It, I quit listening. They could have been saying good things. I wasn't well, sticking around. Derek, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, we only have you know, the, our listeners only have a finite amount of time, mm -hmm. so yeah. we have to deliver good quality, and it's got to be, you know, good quality content with a good quality audio. There's no doubt about it. True. Yeah. Well, and you got to get to the point. With my mm -hmm. episodes, I try within the first minute to be into the meat and potatoes of the episode, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. You know, and there, I've, I've listened to a couple for a little bit where it takes them like 20 minutes to even get to whatever their 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 topic was in their subject line or whatever of the pod the title of the podcast mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I'm i mean like, I, I i have a lot of uh you know I, I do my commercial at the top of the show i introduce the subject and then go into the commercial so sometimes it might be four or five minutes before i get to uh the interview but i agree with that in terms of getting to the meat as quickly as possible you know it's like robbing a bank get the money get the hell out of there you know when mm -hmm. you're done time to go so but I think, John, you've earned that right where people know what to expect from your show. I mean, yeah. even if there's a, even if you get a brand new listener, hey, this is what John Suntress's show is all about. There's nothing about it. And and with my show, uh, and you guys know this, I've always approached my show as a like a six o'clock news broadcast. You know, it's it's very I, I write my format out and it goes A B C D right down the list, and I really haven't changed in ten years. Well, I think the point is with that, you know, you haven't changed because you're doing the show you want to do. Right. And you've mm -hmm. you've got to do that because sooner or later, if you don't, it's just going to bleed through and, and it, the show will become what it should have been all along, you yeah. know, right or wrong. Um, it's so much time and effort goes into putting these shows out that chasing the audience or the, the downloads or, or the uh, – uh, uh, sponsorships or whatever. I mean, some people do that. For me, it, to me, it's it's a pointless uh, endeavor. Mm -hmm. Talk about what you want to talk about. Be true to who you are. Be consistent, you know, and get it to where if somebody likes one of your episodes, there's a good chance they'll like all the rest. Now, whether they stick around for that or not, who knows? Maybe their interests, you know, change over time and stuff. That certainly happens. But I've listened to a couple of, of podcasts over the years where 
it seemed like the people were were either telling the the other people on on the show what they expected they wanted to hear what they thought the audience wanted to hear not what they seemed to really think or they were you know fairly fluid on what they thought over time which is entirely possible too but it's just you've got to again have that game plan and do know what you want to do cuz we're not broadcasters we are narrow casters you know in some cases we're talking about not only just a hobby but a very specific slice of it with a certain slant mm-hmm. and you're not going to please everybody nor should you try but man you get people with similar sensibilities who like what you do they'll stick with you for a really long time well that leads me to another question uh that I had for you guys and that is um how do you integrate your listener community into your own podcasts as a way of not only maintaining an audience, but to build audience and build community, strengthen it even more? Can I start and say that I'm probably the worst uh, <laughs> person that doesn't do enough for my community? I uh, I don't know, man. I, I had a message board at Jinx World for a while. And it was okay. I just didn't really feel like it was uh, an engaged community. So I, you know, it was really just the same kind of dozen people or so. Fine people, but just again, I just didn't feel like it was growing. So I kind of, you know, sloughed off on that. Uh, I, I, uh, I, I pretty much lean on Twitter and, and Facebook and really make myself as available as possible with direct messages and you know private messages and emails. And I, and I, and I think it works because I am still the show is still growing. But I don't know. I guess because I'm still like kind of an old-fashioned radio guy, I kind of feel like I'm making the product. I'm giving it to you. I I do want feedback in terms of guest suggestions, but I shouldn't feel. I never feel beholden to those, obviously. And uh, yeah, I kind of just feel like again, like an old-fashioned broadcaster. And really, I should do more and I should do better. So please enlighten me, gentlemen. <laughs> Well, for me, it really comes down to uh, the preview spotlight episodes. Those are listener submission episodes. Yep. You know, I actively solicit my listeners or anyone else who wants to send in a clip to just record a, a short thing of what they saw on the latest previews catalog, what's going to come out in a couple of months, and tell other people why this is just the, one of the best comics on the planet and they really should love it and, and why. Um, and I'll be honest. I've had a couple of months where the the number of clips I get is staggering. I've had once or twice I've broken it into two episodes. There were so many. I've also had other times where the night before I'm going to be editing the stuff and the the deadlines the next morning, I got like nothing. And I'm like, geez, am I going to have anything for tomorrow other than whatever I record? It's it's really – it's a bit nerve-wracking at times on that. But when it works, it's a lot of fun. I think I've got a couple of listeners who – regularly participate in it and seem to really enjoy it. It gives them a, a really good outlet uh, for their love of comics. Um, so just kind of crowdsourcing that sort of an episode, um, you know, I, I get a lot out of it in terms of just finding new things to read myself. Mm. Yeah, for me, I think that uh, one of the things that burnt me out last year was trying to keep up with Twitter and Facebook and email and, and everything. And, um, you know, and just trying to keep up with the industry news and everything. That's kind of why I just, uh, you know, retired for a few months. But when I came back this July, uh, you know, I decided not to reopen my Facebook page and I opened up uh, Twitter 
and uh, email, and that's it. I just have the, those two things going. Now, I do have a, my Tumblr site, but that's just where my posts live. That's no big deal. Uh, but, yeah, I kind of I toned it down. But my audience is still there, and uh, they know how to get a hold of me, and I do tweet things out. And like what, what John was saying, you know, I do have private messages and email back and forth and, and everything there. So, you know, I'm, I'm fairly accessible as far as communication goes. So yeah. that really hasn't been a problem for me. We well, you know another one thing I know that you do, uh, Chris, that I really appreciate is that you when you get feedback from listeners, you share that uh, with the the listeners on on that following yeah. podcast episode mm-hmm. and, ju- and just recently i i, I was uh, in fact i was jogging one morning listening you to your show uh, yes you and you read them. my message that i sent you about march so yes. uh, and and you know many podcasters pro- well if not professional then they're as close to being professional without being professional have said that that is uh a key strategy to build community, and that is to share the communications that you get. You know, if if you have the permission, True. right? So, because people like to hear their names and their words Absolutely. shared on the air, so to speak, over the podcast. And so, I know I appreciate it. I enjoy hearing, you know, my my name referenced on your show uh, the other week. And we do the same with the Comics Alternative. Now, you know, more times than not, we, you know, with our main weekly show, um, we don't have much to read in terms of listener feedback, but every now and again we do. Uh, the episode right. that went up today, this week's episode, uh, we had three or four messages from listeners. So it took us a little longer to get to the meat and potatoes of this week's episode, the first book that we reviewed, The Lost Work of uh, Will Eisner. Um, but um, we thought it was worth it sharing the words of people who listen to us. And so I think that that's an effective means. Now, you know, John Suntress, you said that you started off with a forum. We have a forum, and I've tried to use the forum strategy a couple of times. I don't think I'm very successful at it. You know, uh, you know, John Mayo, I think your forum is much more engaging or people Definitely. are much more engaged than that than than I think mm-hmm. they they ever was were with uh, the comics alternative. And so we unfortunately, I mean, we, it's still up there, but we don't do much with it anymore, and that's just not something that has been as successful for us. Mayo, are you on the comic forums still or where where is your message board? I've got it on my own uh, comic book page podcast. I've had it there for uh, since I started the podcast, I believe. Okay, fine. I've, I have been to your message board. I just didn't remember uh, who was hosting. Of course, you're hosting it. You're the you're like the web you're the web whiz. I think of the group. I believe <laughs> that's my guess. Well, and honestly, well, let me almost, let me go back. Let me touch on what Derek just said because not <laughs> only do I want to get feedback, but I want to get smart feedback, like you provided. I mean, damn you straight. Want, you, that's what you want. You you don't want to get the hey great show kind of thing. You want to get somebody who is going to take their time, craft an email, and and you know provide information maybe that you have missed or mm-hmm. or maybe a, a topic coming up that would be insightful and, and that sort of thing. So yeah, I mean you know or even a thoughtful I have, criticism. I have or a Google, I'll take it. Yeah, I have a Google Voice account and I have SpeakPipe and I have like put the call out a few times. But sort of like the message board, it was just the same people. And so you're right. I guess, you know, and no, this is good. I feel like I'm on the couch. And, you know, or the, this is like a this is like a 12 step meeting. Dr. I really feel like I'm learning a lot because we're sharing. This is great. Well, I do. But think I, sincerely, yeah. with with any uh, audience and stuff, there are going to be certain members that are much more active uh, in terms of giving feedback and participating in stuff than most of the audience is. True. 
that's just you know kind of I don't want to say the law of big numbers, but it's it's something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And and this can have some kind of payoff if you're an avid follower of the podcast because um, we have several people working for the Comics Alternative, both both on the podcast side and on the blog side because we also have an active blog where we review things on the blog that we don't on the show um, and also do interviews on the blog that we may not do uh, for the podcast um, where people who have been avid followers of us – Eventually, we've invited to be a part of what we do. So, you know, uh, the aforementioned librarian of the group, uh, Andy Wolverton, uh, I remember he was one of our earlier, earliest listeners who actually corresponded with us. And, in fact, he found our program, Chris, I think through you. Uh, Andy's been – yeah, he's been a, a, a listener of mine for many, many years. Yeah. yeah, and so then he started listening to us, and then he – um, got to the point that at one point I asked if he wanted to fill in as as a co-host since he was so interested in the books that we discussed, and he said, yeah. So now he is an occasional fill-in co-host, but he's also the regular co-host of our monthly Young Reader series. In fact, he and a, a another a comic scholar, uh, Gwen Tarbox, do that show together. So that is theirs. Now, it's still part of the Comics Alternative, but you know, so here's someone who was a listener, got in touch with us, filled in uh, every now and again. Now he has uh, a monthly show with us. Well, I, th- I would say that's actually one of the ways my podcast has changed uh, to a degree from when I started to, to where I'm at now is uh, really every podcast co-host I've got except one um, started as a, a listener of the show. Matter of fact, the one that didn't, uh, I think, still doesn't listen, and that's my sister. <laughs> I mean, she participates, but... Uh, well, she's not really a comic fan. <laughs> she hears enough of what I say anyways. My well, wife she... has never listened to one of my shows in 10 years. She is an accomplished nerd speaker, though. Yeah, so I, she, you know, yeah she, she, she is. She, yeah. she knows her stuff. So, <laughs> that's funny. No, I uh, – well, that's why I don't have a – I don't have co-hosts because that way I can really be adaptable to whatever schedule my guests are – you know, need to be on for me to talk to I them. Thought, John, I thought Bendis was your co-host. I love that. Hey, man, are you kidding me? Seriously, best thing that ever happened to me was uh, Brian liking me and and saying, this is fun and I enjoy doing this. Can I do it on your show? And I'm like, absolutely. And it's it's Mm -hmm. it's great, man. No, he's. uh, Yeah, I don't know. I can't I'm trying to think of other like broadcast examples like that. And I can only think of local stuff. So I don't really know like a national Stern Howard Stern kind of guy, you know, guest. What what I like about your conversations, I mean, he's my favorite guests on your show by far i mean because not only does he have the the pulse on the comic book industry he's got the pulse on hollywood he knows everybody and everything and that's why i i just enjoy when he comes on your show just well and, and frankly he and and jeff Loeb as well but but really yeah. even more so brian being an active creator and having his fingers in so many pies uh media wise uh he's a microcosm of what's going on in comics and it is great to get that perspective directly and ask him tough questions, and I and I mean and not, not in any questions. shitty. Pardon me, I don't know if I can swear on your show, and if I can't, I apologize, Derek, because I started <laughs> not no, in any crappy way, yeah. but uh, but in terms of tough questions, but to really say, yeah, but let's let's not get you know let's let's be honest with each other. Asking someone to spend four or five dollars on a comic book is a lot of money, or you know, um, does everything need to be an event? Does everything need to tie into an event? If you can go into the, like some of the mainstream rants that have been going on lately and the reality that hey guess what create your own books 
can charge $3.50 as opposed to your $5. And this new group of readers, they don't care about the mainstream. You know, so and again, Brian will answer those questions and be very honest about them and stuff. So it's great. And he's funny. And, you know, and he and, oh, he, and he has good taste. And I mean, you know, again, just as much as I recommend a book or, or something I've read or whatever, obviously, when, when Brian does it even more so. What was the name of that book, that video that Bettis was talking about? You know, I'll get millions of emails like that. So, yeah. so someone mm-hmm. like that, you have great content, you have great conver- uh, conversation, uh, but you also have, uh, especially over the long haul, a boost in audience, right? Because the people are going to come oh, yeah. and listen to you. I mean, that's one of the things I've always enjoyed about the interviews is not only get to meet and talk with a variety of different creators, but those creators in many ways bring their fan base with them no question and that so, was the idea right and so that was when the they, intent, like you know that was the original intent go on yeah. i'm sorry yeah no when so when they tweet out or they post or they announce you know hey i was just on this podcast uh that can really help i mean i have noticed spikes oh, yeah. when we have certain people on uh and like, like we had a couple of years ago matt fraction on and he was quite I guess active in letting his fan base know that he was on the show. Yeah, I, I noticed we had quite a significant spike uh, for that week, and, and that's good. Definitely. Mm-hmm. No, that was the original. Uh, you know, Chris again going back to '05 and everything, and, and Mayo as well. Even in '07, you know, that's the thing was that's how I built my audience. I mean, Bendis was a huge part of that initially, and you know, um, now with uh, creators really doing their own newsletters, as Brew Baker, Fraction, Kelly Sue. Uh, certainly Warren Ellis and everybody. I mean, he was doing it first. But, uh, you know, that seems to be the new direct communication to the, their audiences. And absolutely, I mean, that is the great thing is the, the smart ones will say, hey, I was on so-and-so's podcast, and you see the spike. Yeah. I do think there's a, a batch of creators out there that are incredibly social media savvy just in general. Yep. And mm-hmm. they're cultivating their fan base uh, – you know, just in some incredibly smart ways. Uh, be it just again the newsletter, having their own website, engaging with them, telling them, you know, hey, my new book is out over here. I've got this coming up from this publisher. Whatever. It's it, to me that's one of the the differences in the industry between now and when a lot of us started. Definitely is social media as a concept. I mean, there may have been some of the tools, but it just wasn't what it is now. But also. The positioning of comics wasn't what it is now, because that would have when when John, you and, and Chris started, that was before the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That was before. I mean, that was still at the end of kind of the you know comics aren't just for kids era. To yeah, everyone knows what comics is. It's before cool. Twitter, before Facebook. Yeah, well, that's but before true. But the media or before the general mass audience really came to appreciate the comic book properties like they do now. Well, but we did have, you know, the Sam Raimi Spider Man. We had, uh, we had, we had uh, some of that, and we had, we had, Iron we had Man Sin City. Yeah. Well, and well, Sin Iron City. Man. I think we, you know, yeah, I think Iron Man was kind of the start of, you know, obviously yeah. the, the Marvel, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But yeah, there were a couple things. You're right, though. I mean, it is, it is in an interesting place now, but it is more, uh, and this is the classic debate. It is more about the IPs, the heroes themselves, than it is. Oh, by the way, they're comic book people. Absolutely. You know what I mean? I mean, they know that it came from comic books, but that doesn't mean that they're reading the comic books. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, that continues to struggle. Walking Dead being the, you know, one of the few exceptions, I think, where clearly the TV show has, you know, helped Kirkman sell more comics as well. Right. Mm-hmm. But you look back at, at, you know, 2005, 2006, 
and the number of TV shows based on comics or something like that, there were some out there, certainly. There have been for decades. But now there's like one every day of the week, if not oh, like yeah. two some yeah. nights. Sure. Well, the big one the big one back then undoubtedly was Smallville. You know, that was the big right. one. Right. Yeah. 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 But and you're you know, right, and that was, you know, on the smallest network, and it was only one show. Yeah. And no, compared to what we have today, it's ridiculous. Go on. Yeah. Well, no. remember, they, they, they even tried to get Birds of Prey going. Remember that series? Yes. About, you know... Half a minute and everything, so you know <laughs> it was about they half tried. A you know they tried, but there's no doubt about it that um, that shows like Big Bang Theory have also helped. Right, heroes. Yeah. Let's not forget, especially in that first season, yeah. heroes was a huge impact. And again, going uh, you know uh, as Chris said, going back to 2006 when we had that first podcast, comic book podcast panel in San Diego and stuff. Heroes was, I believe, previewing then. If not in 06, it was 07. Mm-hmm. That it was previewing there, and and I mean it, you know, it kind of stubbed its toe, but there was a moment that really uh, it could have started earlier had that writer strike not happened and killed yeah. a lot of the momentum of that show in particular. Well, you know, the, the, this is interesting because the extra comics media aspect of what we do is something that on the comics alternative we really don't even consider right i mean just given given our nature because we don't deal with the mainstream because we specifically don't deal with superheroes i mean that rules out almost all of that stuff i mean the closest thing we could talk about is the walking dead but even then we've made and i don't know if andy and i have ever discussed this but i think it's just our feeling We're, we're kind of purist in that way right so every episode of the comics alternative regardless of what kind of series it is whether you know because we have a manga series we have a european comic series web comic series we 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 always focus on the comics, so we never, we've never done an episode where we're talking about, let's say, a particular property on TV or in film or, you know, or, or some other media. We, we always stick with the comics, and that's just the direction that we're going. So we may mention something like, you know, the, the latest Spider-Man in passing or, you know, uh, you know this season for on Gotham, but it, it's always – just uh, ephemeral. We'll, we'll mention it, pass on to something else, and then get to the comics themselves. And that's just, again one of those decisions that we've made, uh, just to well, focus right there on the comics. I have a I have a, a real world hypothetical for you, though. What about? Okay. Uh, and I just read about this. I want to say in Heidi, on Heidi McDonald's site, uh, Comic Speed. Um, isn't there? There's a show. There's an anthology show on Netflix, and there's been a recent episode that Mark Maron is the star of, where he is a graphic novelist. And Mark it was Maron? written by yeah Mark Marin. It was I written by Jeffrey. Today, John. Yeah, yeah. It was Jeffrey Jeffrey Brown co-wrote it with. Um, hmm. Oh, I forget his name now. You guys are obviously looking up the article, maybe, so you might see I'll it. Look it up. Um, but yeah, I mean, so it really is about uh, alternative comics versus the you know the hero stuff. Okay, so and that so, may be a different game now. <laughs> because I, honestly, the other examples I was thinking of were all pre-podcasting, like Ghost World. Although art school, well, American Splendor, cool. yeah, yeah, and American for, Splendor was certainly around then. Yeah, for so television though, about, for well, television though, we've got uh, Lucifer, we've got I Zombie. I mean, there are a number of of is that of alternative creature. enough though, um, Derek? You know, it, it it would be. I mean, those are the kind of titles that we would discuss because you know they're Vertigo titles. We do a lot, not near as much as we used to, I think, uh, with, with with Vertigo. And of course, our definition of alternative is a little different. In indie, is a little different from others' definition of alternative in indie. Um, but again, it's not that we don't appreciate those, or we couldn't talk about well, sure. the content in ways that uh, you know we think would you know fit with our show. It's just anything other than the comics medium we. 
we, we have it done. And for this reason, there's too much in comics for us to do as it is. And, I mean, to me, that's another difficulty when it comes to podcasting about comics is deciding what to do or better yet or more difficultly – what we can't discuss, what we don't have time for. I mean, there's so many titles that come out. It's just overwhelming. I mean, even if we restricting ourselves as we do by, you know, shutting out the superhero universe, definitely most of the mainstream of, you know, the big two. I mean, still, there's just so much there for us to discuss. It becomes a mat. It becomes painful at times uh, deciding we don't have time for this. We're going to have to cut this. We don't have, uh, you know, an occasion this month to look at this book. So and, and you know that um we have enough to talk about with the comics themselves. I mean there's always plenty to talk about with comics, but I think in this day and age the comic properties and culture has spread out to television, movies, video games, uh you know, so many other media right that uh you know, at one point I was only doing just if it's it literally on the comic book page or whatever. But now I'm doing a lot of episodes that are what's based on what was on the comic book page. And again, with the plethora of TV shows, it's like I'm watching them anyways. Why not talk about them when I'm done? So it's – again, you've got to figure out what you want to do, and there's no right or wrong answer. Um, I've just found that a lot of these things are shows or whatnot that my audience is going to be interested in. So why not share it with them? Mm-hmm. Now, you know, along with that, th- this is uh, another question that I have for you guys. Um, what have you found may or may not work with your podcasts when it comes to, let's say, publication frequency? Now, you know, obviously, if you fall behind in your schedule, um, you know, not that you go as far as pod fading, um, you know, you're going to disappoint some listeners who may expect you on a fairly regular basis. Um, but especially. To, to you, John uh, Mayo, is have you found by increasing your output that has put strain on your podcast, maybe on the listeners in ways that you hadn't anticipated? Not that I've heard. I'm sure that not everyone listens to everything I, I mm-hmm. record and put out there. I frankly don't necessarily expect them to because I'm covering everything from the uh, the sales figures, which is a bit of a math-heavy podcast that some people may love, some people may hate, to subscription boxes that some people may love, some people may hate, to the reviews, the previews, and stuff like that. It It's a fairly wide uh, uh, selection of what I've got out there, mm-hmm. and certainly the download numbers uh, bounce around. And it's funny because it's not necessarily by, is this about television, is this about comics, is this about numbers or anything. It, it Frankly, it seems random at times. Um but my mindset is basically they can listen to what they want to, not listen to what they don't want to. I made a decision early on that uh, when it was going to be more than once a week, that no more than three times a week. I want my listeners to have time to listen to other podcasts or you know, do other things with their life other than just listen to my stuff. And the reason I was asking, because I heard not too long ago an episode of the Audacity of Podcast, Daniel J. Lewis, where he was warning that maybe overloading your listeners with too many episodes could be 
if, if not harmful, then limiting in some way. And, and so that's something I'm a little sensitive to, especially since over the past six months, we've really stepped up our output on the Comics Alternative, putting out – I think this month we're going to have a total of 18 shows by the 30th uh, that will have come out. Uh, we have a weekly show. We've got five monthly series, and then that's not even counting the interviews that we do. Whenever we do them, we put them up. So we're putting in a lot of content, and you know, obviously it's a challenge on our time. I mean I- I'm willing to put forth the time. I have no problem with it. I enjoy it. But I'm just wondering from a listener's perspective if they say, oh, my God, another episode of this show because I haven't even listened to the last four. Um, it, it, at what point might that be a turnoff? What's your average length? Of the show, of our regular review shows, about an hour and a half. Um, okay, so of the eighteen shows that you're going to, re- you said eighteen this this month. This month, eighteen, yes. Okay, so oh, wow. so give me the range of length for all eighteen shows, from shortest to longest. Uh, the shortest show that we're doing this month, I think, is about fifty minutes, and that was an interview that went up yesterday with Andy Hirsch. Okay. okay. Um, and the longest episode for this month. Coming close to two hours. Uh, every now and again, we'll have a review show that goes for two hours. Um, I, you know, for a while, I be to to avoid fatigue. I was doing as long as it needs to be because, and I've, uh, it's funny because I thought I had a lot of shows this month because I, I think I'm going to end up having ten for September because I have a bunch of creators who are like, "Hey, really, if you can get it out as soon as possible," mm-hmm. and I'm like, "All right." <laughs> and unfortunately, everyone said yes this month, and a few things <laughs> like that Tony Hendren National Lampoon thing came up, and they wanted out this week. So you know, um, at first, a couple years ago, I, I flirted with like four hour shows, and wow. which is crazy. Yeah. But you know, the reason why is I kind of looked at it as it's an hour with Jeffrey Brown, it's an hour with uh, Matt Fraction, it's an hour with you know Creator C, and then down the list. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, listen to it as at your leisure. I think that was a mistake. I didn't get I didn't get uh, a drop in audience, but it, I did get a lot of like, yeah, man, that's a lot. So I did go to back to individual shows since, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. And I think that's probably the best way to do it. Um, but yeah, my shows kind of range in the same lengths as yours that you just explained. And um, if it's good content, they'll listen to it. And if they don't get, I mean, not knowing what subjects you're specifically covering on those 18 shows. I kind of look at every interview as its own thing and that it's going to be a little more evergreen, even if it's a, the, a, you know, a DC or Marvel guy working on monthly books. Right. It's still kind of evergreen and it's still because we're talking about, you know, the characters in general, even the story arc in general. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't worry me. And yeah. I, and again, I, I just, yeah, I trust again, maybe, and maybe because, you know, doing it 11 years, but I do, it's like, no, nah, they kind of know what they're getting here. So. Yeah. One of the reasons why we had so many shows this month <clears throat> And it may be as many as 18, maybe it's 18 or 19, uh, is because – and the same thing happened last year when I went to Small Press Expo. Um, I interview people on the floor. I also have an occasion to sit down with people for, for let's say, an hour and interview them there. So um, from Small Press Expo, we were able to generate quite a bit of content to where we had – Four interview shows from SPX, and then we had one of our regular weekly review shows devoted to the Ignance Awards and SPX. So from SPX alone, we had five episodes. Yeah, yeah. I just had that with Cincy Comic Con. I, you know, I, I did all their panels, mm-hmm. and I've got like six hours of shows and six different panels. But yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. 
yeah. Just just for comparison, I've got uh, twelve episodes I've already released this month. Then this will be number thirteen. Um, and the average is about an hour and nineteen minutes, which is above average for me. Normally, not an, it's hour about an hour twenty, an hour nineteen. I was going to say exactly <laughs> hour nineteen. That's fantastic. Hmm. He crunches numbers. That's what he does. Like I said, I got to be me. Um, <laughs> but one of those was an over three hour uh, episode. Of course, another one was about a, a little over a uh, half hour. Mm-hmm. And what was so, the three-hour one about? Uh, it was a uh, team-up with the guys over at Cowabunga Comics. It was a back-issue spotlight on JLA Avengers. Oh, fun. Oh, very And cool. that was one yeah, of those. That's fun. You know, oh, it was a And blast. that's a big event, yeah. Right, exactly. It's like, you know, yeah, it's like, all right, we're talking. If you love JLA Avengers, I'd be happy to sit down with the three-hour yeah. show about JLA Avengers. That's fine. I just know George Perez covers for three hours. My God. And again, the great thing about audio is you don't have to sit down. That is something I will take with me literally as I power walk through Chicago on a Saturday or something, Mm -hmm. because that's what I do. I literally, I load my iPhone up with podcasts and I start walking and I spend the afternoon just walking around the city and it's great. My theory is a lot of people have commutes. They can drop this in. They can listen to it. An hour podcast for some people. That's maybe their morning and afternoon or evening commute, and for a day they're good. Maybe it's just their morning commute if they're not lucky, or the tedious um, warehouse job, or or whatever kind of you know yeah. detail yeah. job that you've got to do, and you just need something to listen to. And if it wasn't us, it would be NPR or their favorite music station. No, well, man. that's it, John. You you bring up a good point. Both of you guys do. We're not just competing with other comic podcasts or music. But I listen to Audible. I've really gotten yep. into Audible these days. And you know what? It's not this mundane, you know, uh, voiceover just reading a book. It's it's like a stage play, and it's really good, and it's sure. really insightful, and done really, really well. So I'm I've got to admit, you know, uh, I'm I listen to comics podcasts and other podcasts, but I really like Audible these days. Well, any other? I mean, again, this is what audio. Yeah. Uh, internet audio and uh, pro, you know private commercial audio can do that radio is having trouble competing with. And I say this as someone who still works at radio. You and do. We're right behind. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's my day job in uh, classic rock radio. I make commercials in Chicago. So mm-hmm. I, I thought someone was asking you do as opposed to you do. Yeah, or you do. <laughs> so, uh, no, but, but my um, uh, yeah, and, and you guys know my show is just weekly. So you know for. Four episodes a month, which is about all I can do. <laughs> but I have months like that. I have months where yeah. I, uh, I have months where I can only do three shows and stuff. Yep. I mean, yeah, life gets in the way. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, you, know, you, you, we were mentioning things like, I mean, how people consume podcasts, right? On commutes, uh, at work, uh, it, it, you know, if it's allowed. Um, one of the things I've heard from from other podcasters, especially those I think who are just starting out, and I haven't in a long time, but uh, it it used to be I would go to a Dallas based podcasters meetup once a month, and there were a lot of either brand new podcasters or podcaster wannabes that are there. You know, they they, they want to learn about it, to set the groundwork so they can start their podcast. And one of the things that I would hear from younger podcasters or first time podcasters is that they felt that they have to keep keep their show, let's say, 30 minutes long tops or maybe, you know, no longer than an hour for some. And and they were rather adamant about that. My feeling of that – and they said, well, because the average length of the commute or, or, or what have yeah. you. You know, My thoughts are you know, this is not terrestrial radio, right, that has to have a starting point and an ending point, and it's locked in. You know, people consume podcasts 
whenever they can, when they're in the car, when they're walking the dog, when they're jogging, when they're working in the warehouse, whenever they're able to do that. And so being able to stop it and then start it at a different time is what a podcast is all about. Now, some people may be a little more on the anal side, and if they start something, they have to finish it, uh, listening to an episode. But I think most listeners will, at least I as a listener, will listen to a podcast whenever I can. So sometimes I will listen to a very long podcast episode uh, over several commutes. But I'm okay with that. So I, I have no problem with going long or going short. You know, p- People are going to mm-hmm. listen to us as they can. The glib quote is, uh, it, it's podcast should be as long as they need to be and not a second longer. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's what I've heard at many a podcast conference and also actually, uh, NPR, uh, which it's funny because the radio industry really thinks NPR does podcasting best. Part of the reason why is they do keep it within like a half hour or hour ish sort of format. But again, these are radio people that are looking at it it, from a very narrow perspective. I agree with everything Derek said in terms of, yeah, a lot of people don't want that. I always say, would you rather hear George Lucas in a commercial six-minute radio segment or we've got George Lucas as long as he's willing to talk to us? And if you ask a Star Wars fan which they'd rather hear, it's an obvious answer. And I think, especially when we're dealing with comics, it's that kind of – Response because they don't these these people that we interview or the industry people we talk to they're not on the mag they're 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 on there more on the magazine entertainment shows and you know Bendis and, and Fraction showing up on Seth Meyers talk show and things like that so there are it's getting better but it's still not compared to what they get here and again for the fans we're giving them more and they're and it gives them the opportunity to speak more I mean at least from from the you know what I'm doing, but also what Mayo does, for example, or even Chris, in terms of yeah, it's yeah. if you're into if you're into the subject, you want it to be you want it to go as long as it needs to and be compelling and everything. So. I'll never forget the uh, John Stewart did a montage one time about uh, showing you know Fox News, MSN, you know, uh, you know Today Show, all these newscasts interviewing politicians or heads of state or the president, and it, just when the interview gets good. The, the moderator, the host has to say, oh, we're out of time. Yeah. You know, I wish we could. Oh, we're just getting good. We'll have to take this up another time and everything. And it's like and he did like a montage of like 50 of them in a row. And it was like and Stewart just like nearly blew his top off at the end. He's like, it was just getting good. You know? Exactly. But he had to cut it off. But but that's the freedom that that we have. I think it's great. And you can interview. I remember one time uh, just the reverse of that. Uh, and I think John Mayo, you know this, but I interviewed uh, Russ, uh, Roy Thomas one time and and I called up Roy. And this is when I was doing podcasts for uh, tomorrow's and uh, and Roy gets on the phone with me. He's like, Chris, you know, I only have 15 minutes and I'm like, OK, no problem. So I'm rushing through it and rushing through it. And the next thing I know, it's 45 minutes later. And it was just great. It was one of the best interviews I've ever had. It was so much fun. And it was mm-hmm. the polar opposite of that. You know, we just kept going and don't didn't stop. And it was great. Well, it comes down to as long as there's something worth talking about and worth listening to, keep going. Yeah. The minute that's no longer the case, stop. Joe Rogan does three-hour shows all the time. Yeah. All the time. And again, his fans love it. And they love the in-depth conversation. And it goes everywhere. 
like some of my interviews go and stuff. And that's great because, again, you get to know the person. If you're really – I mean, Rogan is his own experience. But I think, you know, again, if you're if you're really into a JLA Avengers conversation or a specific creator, yeah. Because not only do you want to hear about the books, but you want to hear just what they like to do, them as a person. Because mm-hmm. then the listener comes up and goes, hey, I heard on Word Balloon you really like, you know, model airplanes. I'm into that, too. Oh, my God. And that's great because then the creators got, you know, hey, great. I'd love to talk about comics all day. But, yeah, I'm happy to spend a moment talking about something else I like. I mean, it just, you know, and that's, again, bringing the community together. And I think that's a way that I do it right. So, I, I mean, that's that's like kind of a subtle way that I think my message gets across. Well, there are some time limits that, that I don't want to go beyond. I know that with our on our review shows – uh, whether it be our regular weekly review show or one of our monthly specialty shows like the manga or the webcomic show, um, it's a rarity that we would go past two hours. Anything over, let's say, two hours, I start to feel a little more uncomfortable about. Um, however, we did do an interview. In fact, it was earlier this year, and it was one of the most enjoyable and laugh-filled interviews we ever did. This was with Evan Dorkin. And this is right about the time that his uh, Eltingville Club was collected. And we had him on mic recording for about three hours and 45 minutes. And, (laughs) you know, the first two – well, you say that. uh, And it was fun. (laughs) But I had to produce the damn thing, right? So um, (laughs) I – the first hour, a lot of fun. The second hour, a lot of fun. I'm starting to get a little tired. But then as the producer of the podcast going into hour two and a half and then three, I'm going, geez, what am I going to have to do? There's no way that we can have a three-hour interview. And then it was three hours and 45 minutes. So what I ended up doing was dividing the interview into two parts. And and that was fine. So we had had two episodes generated from that interview. Um, And and it turned out really well. And we had a lot of laughs. Derek, you can always go through in a long podcast like that and just say, hey, look, this just put a disclaimer up and say this is going to be an unedited. Uh, here we go. You know, start. To <laughs> That's finish. true, too. Seriously, you can't. But no, you're right, though. And it makes it more real. Right. Hey, man, I've seen real I've seen Dorkin. Yeah, I've seen Dorkin at a convention. I'm sure there are Evan Dorkin fans that would be happy to listen to the full thing in one sitting as well. I agree with Chris, but I but I do. I mean, again, this was the problem I had with Bendis. And it's a good problem to have, and I'm sure you felt the same way about Dorkin uh, and uh, other creators as well. And yeah, you chop them up, and that's fine. That's yeah. great. God, uh, Brubaker and I uh, had a, had a really long one, and it ended up being four parts. And wow. it was just it was great because it, you could also go, as you said, you know, uh, topics change during the conversation. All right, great. Well, now we're starting to talk about something else. Well, you had it right there, and all right, we're going to pick it up at part two. That's mm-hmm. that's fine. That's excellent. Again, if the content merits it and everything, go, man. Hmm. Let me ask you guys something. Um, another question. If there were maybe one thing that you would like to do with your podcast in order to make it better or enhance it, you know, something technical, something content oriented, what would that be? Ideally. Uh, well, I'll go. I mean, for me, it would just be a better soundproof room. I mean, right now I'm sitting at my workbench in my basement. So, you know, I mean, seriously, that's where we all podcast from, right? So, I mean, but I've got I've got a friend of mine who is who does, who lives in the same neighborhood down the street. He does a, a, a he's a aviation podcast. Okay, and he's got a, a sweet studio that he's set up, 
and it's you know it's like a sits at his desk and he's got this enclosed wall thing that he talks into and then he when he's done he takes it down and you know he can do whatever but it's, is it like a cube is it like a cu- cube yeah he built a cube sure with, no he, that's smart he got the soundproof foam and everything and he's got it all hardwired and it's a really neat setup yeah you can so. you know you can really do that very cheaply and yeah. literally get like just a giant box and, and and it's i mean you can even use like bed sheets or whatever or or a comforter around the cube inside to kind of give yourself a much more muted studio kind of quality cube that you can speak in and everything. So, you know, again, you can MacGyver this and, 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 <laughs> and it won't, it won't cost you a lot of money. So, uh, but no, I understand. And I'll, I'll, I'll follow Chris and say, honestly, and shame on me, but again, coming from radio, it would be wonderful to do this five days a week and actually be able to do it and, 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 uh, and do it like a real business. And I, and I'm moving, I mean, Patreon has been great, and my listeners have been great supporting me. I do get interesting uh, sponsorships. I'm going to have a new sponsor actually coming up this week as we're recording. And um, I I believe in what I'm doing, and I think 11 years in, it's slow, but it keeps growing. And I I believe that I will eventually get to that point. Um, Yeah, I mean, so so really making this into a, a real media thing would be my dream. I agree with what both of you guys said. So I'll take uh, Chris's uh, kind of soundproof studio and whatnot and and John's do it as a real thing and say, I want a, a professional studio with staff, preferably yes. to, to record it, edit it, do the promotion, all that stuff. Uh, no, actually doing this uh, you know, in place of a day job would be a lot of fun. I'm not doing anything to really monetize this, so that's just never going to happen, and that's by design. Um, because I don't want this turning into a job. It's fun to do. But the reality is, if it ceased to be fun to do, I could stop at any moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, there does come a point where, man, it'd be really nice if somebody else were to edit this stuff and <laughs> do kind of the grunt work. Um, I mean, I enjoy talking about comics, but, uh, man, I... The editing the stuff when I do a really long episode isn't too bad because I'll be honest, I get a little lazy in the editing. It's maybe not as tight as some of my really early short episodes were. Um, but the one thing I had to do that, oh my god, it was tedious and just drove me nuts was I had one episode I actually had to do a transcript of. And that just took forever. Well, um, speaking of transcripts, John, I remember you did your book. When uh, that you had with transcripts of your shows, John Suntrans. Yes. Well, oh, you mean the magazine? The magazine. Well, again, just like John said, uh, that was through the grace of uh, uh, my my uh, several friends. Actually, I was gonna I was gonna name one, but uh, to name well, Tom McGovern, I guess mainly because he was the patron that kind of put me okay. and Dan Brereton together. It was a chance to uh, promote uh, Dan Brereton's Nocturnals books. And uh, he had three interns really transcribe a bunch of uh, Word Balloon interviews. Oh. And yeah, in 2007, I had a Word Balloon magazine. Um, the reason why I don't transcribe for my website or anything like that is because I would eventually and will eventually put out a Word Balloon book. I actually have one book project that I, that I will tease because it is a reality and that will come first. But once I am done with that, I will move forward with the Word Balloon book. But um you know, yeah, eleven years and stuff. I've got you know literally over seven hundred hours of content. Maybe probably more. Maybe close to eight hundred hours. I haven't really counted the hours. 
Uh, I need Mayo to count the hours for me. Number pressure. <laughs> but John, but, uh, John I'm, I, and I apologize to John Mayo. I didn't mean to interrupt you, John. So please. Oh, I'm no, sorry no. too. Yeah, yeah. If you, yeah, if you had <laughs> more, but yeah, I mean, so no, that will happen. But you're right, John. I mean, uh, Mayo. That's uh, transcribing is really, really time consuming. That's something that if I could have a magic solution for, uh, just literally the transcription stuff. I'd love to take all the stuff I've done on like the number crunching and stuff, turn those into books or something too. It's just sure. such a daunting task. Well, and that's, again, if we go back to the original question and stuff, I mean, the market keeps changing, and that's why I don't find it boring. It doesn't – I mean, this is kind of a part-time job because I actually do earn income through Patreon and my sponsors. So I always say it's not a tax problem. It's a tax concern because I just have to make sure that I report this stuff. Right. But, uh, you know, it's um, – but, but it's fun for me. I mean, it's social. Doing those interviews – and especially with some of the creators that have really gotten to know, it's it's a social thing. This is a social thing that we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. So it's fun for me. And like like Chris said and, and John said as well, I don't you know I, I don't edit as as cleanly as I initially did um, because I'm like I'm kind of happy with the organic thing, and it's and it feels creative. And again, um, it's a subject that fascinates me because we're still at the beginning of this, both podcasting and where the geek culture even is as people worry if we're at the saturation point i'm like yeah the western lasted 80 years before people really got tired of westerns uh on in in movies and television in the in that you know early 80s period and then it still came back and also meanwhile western fans still enjoyed the genre and still found you know movies and tv and, and books and things to read about westerns and stuff so i don't think this geek culture is going away and the way that it continues to morph is is fascinating. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I think with me, if, if, if there was one thing that I could do right now to to enhance what we do, um, it would be, I guess, somewhat similar to, to to what all of you were saying in terms of growing in certain ways. Um, I mean, yeah, it would be nice to have better equipment, more equipment. Slowly but surely, we do get better toys, and that's great. Um, but right now, if, if, if there's one thing that I could do to make things better, I would want to turn the Comics Alternative into a network instead of a sprawling podcast. Because right now, we have so many series going on right uh, currently. I mean, I, I mentioned we have the, the weekly show. We have five monthly series. We have the interview series. And that's not even counting any kind of specials, such as this episode. Um, will fall under the special category with our podcast. Um, it would be easier to organize and also to just, just coordinate everything if we did this under uh, a network and not just one podcast. However, that would involve more cost and more effort work on my part, and I'm just not there yet. So, because, hey, you know, let me, let me I would need to get individual feeds for all the shows that we do. So there would be a feed for the regular show. There would also be a feed uh, for each of our monthly series and our interview series. So I've been doing this, uh, hosting the, the RSS feed myself. I'm using WordPress for it. Um, and again, from my perspective, the comic book page is one show. So there's an RSS feed for it. Mm-hmm. But from a lot of other people's perspectives, and I understand this, it's like multiple different shows. The Weekly mm-hmm. Comic Spotlight is one show. Right. The Preview Spotlight's another show. And they each have individual RSS feeds that are kind of sub-feeds of the main one. So to me, it's kind of a – does it really matter that much whether you're a network or not if you've made it to where your, your listeners can kind of easily pick and choose the content they want? 
when it comes right down to it, I don't know if it really matters. I think that there – okay, I, I know that we have some listeners who very much gravitate toward one kind of show or the other. So, for instance, I know from just social media responses – that mm-hmm. there are listeners who are highly dedicated to our monthly show for young readers that probably don't listen to the other shows. And so having that available as its own feed to subscribe to on iTunes, for instance, would would be really good. Um, and then if they wanted to subscribe to the other series that we do, that would be, you know, hey, I, I would welcome that. Uh, but giving them more... Um, more choice in that way to make it easier for them to target particular series that we do. Um, it would also allow me to organize things in a way that I, I guess the, the the anal side of me would uh, would very much appreciate. Uh, instead of kind of clumping everything together as the comics alternative. Um, so I, I don't know. I I just would feel it would be better for me to handle and organize, although it would involve more cost and work on my well, part. Uh- well, I got a question. Let's turn it into what a about, network. Well, I was going to ask about uh, beyond the iTunes platform. Are you guys using SoundCloud? All of you? No, I'm not. I Chris do, isn't. But a fr- uh, but I use a free account, so I can put no more than two episodes up at a time. Can you not do playlists with a free account? Um, what of my own shows? Yeah. Can you create playlists and make them available as an embed to your to because there are solute. I mean. It's a solution that I'm just starting to flirt with myself. I am new to SoundCloud. I've only been doing it for just over a year. Mm-hmm. And I've got my RSS feed going through it. I did. I am paying for the $20 a month SoundCloud deal so I can have un- unlimited uploads just because I've got so many shows to still like get to and eventually put up there. Um, but one way to organize, and someone, a listener actually suggested this, was to create playlists and I was going to do that and intend to do that with my Bendis interviews, with my very specific guests that have been on multiple times. Uh, but also I was thinking, God, I could do an animation-only feed. I could do you know, movies. I could do documentaries. I mean I could get very specific on some of these things as you would with your different shows and everything. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing to look at. Um, I'm, I, by the way, it's interesting, and I don't know if you guys have experienced it. I love meeting other podcasters who are the bizarro world opposites of us in that (laughs) they started their shows on SoundCloud and are just starting to dabble with iTunes. And it's interesting, Mm -hmm. but they came to podcasting through SoundCloud. Now that's kind of a, you know, ass backward way that I look at it just because knowing the hard data, and I know Mayo knows this, and I'm guessing we all do that, you know, Apple is still the dominant podcast operating system. Right. And that mostly yeah. it's Apple products that literally make up, you know, two thirds of the podcast listening audience. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting to meet these people. And it's like, oh, yeah, I don't have my show on SoundCloud. No, I got it on, on, or on uh, iTunes. I have it only on SoundCloud. And it's like, really? See, we publish on other platforms, but we do so through our main provider, which is Libsyn. So sure. um, we so go up I. through, yeah. yeah, we go up through Libsyn and then we publish on SoundCloud through Libsyn. We publish on YouTube through Libsyn. Uh, we publish mm-hmm. on iHeartRadio through Libsyn. We publish on Spotify through Libsyn. So we reach a variety of, of different platforms, ways to find us and consume the podcast. Um, but I but I do it primarily through you know our, our main Libsyn account uh, now. Yeah, bef- definitely. Yeah, of course. But but even before we did that, uh, when we were uh, when self hosting, um, which I know John, that's what you do, and you and I have talked yeah. about this this before when we've met up in cons. You know the pros and cons of doing this. Um, you know I would still publish our shows. You know I, I would uh, you know 
publish it on our own, but I would also upload things to our uh, YouTube account and, and other uh, platforms as well to make it available to those. You know, they may prefer to consume their media through YouTube. They may choose right. to consume through other means. You know, outside of iTunes, and you know, and that's fine. I wanted to be there for them. Um, but but you know, getting back to to, to, to my original point about the, the network, um, it would just allow me to to organize things in a better way, and I think to give our listeners more of a choice. And also, I think that the way that we're set up now, um, we're all over the place, right? So we, you know, I, I mean, yeah, it's the comics alternative, but the manga show is vastly different from what we do with the regular weekly review show, which is very different from what we do with the web comic series. Well, it's funny because I'm going through kind of a similar sort of a thing with my podcast right now where I'm taking – because, again, I've got the different uh, categories and stuff that I've got in WordPress, which is what's facilitating the different feeds if somebody wanted to do that and just get, say, the preview spotlight. But I've gotten so much stuff that's in kind of the roundtable discussion category, like this episode will go in. But I've gotten so many television episodes, movie episodes that I'm kind of rebranding those retroactively television spotlight movie spotlight convention spotlight that kind of stuff and to me that's just a matter of okay change which categories it's in in itunes so it gives me the advantage of one-stop shopping in terms of maintaining my my list of podcasts and stuff but it gives again that that uh filtering and searchability and whatnot that it seems like you're looking for for what you're doing Right. But see, when someone goes to iTunes to subscribe to the Comics Alternative, they cannot differentiate which series to get because it's all on one feed through iTunes. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I would like to do. I would like to provide listeners with multiple feeds through iTunes that they can choose to subscribe to or not, but all be a part of the Comics Alternative network. Well, and again, that's essentially what I've done with the comic book page stuff. So depending how you look at it, the comic book page is either my show or my network. Yeah. And to me, it's it's almost literally a semantic difference. It's it's no difference in execution. Yeah. Another um, another thing that this would allow me to do is to nurture more um, more people to to work at the comics alternative. I mean, right now the only show that I do not co-host is the Young Reader series. And it's getting to the point that I would like to have other co-hosts come in and start doing the show uh, where I don't have to worry about anything other than the production, right? So they can make the decisions about what to discuss, who to talk to, what books to read, and record things and then send it to me. Um, I guess a part of me wants to wean myself away from the co-hosting task, uh, and, and then part of my thoughts of you know that th- that would go along with that is you know. Devote my time to one or two series and let other people do their own things, right, uh, within, the, within the comics alternative umbrella. I, I can definitely see wanting to have more people involved. Personally, I'd want to wean myself off the uh, production and editing side of things rather than the co-hosting side of things. But, you know, that's just me. Well, and I also, yeah, I kind of lean with Mayo in terms of there's a consistency of product in terms of who's hosting. 
that I mean, you just got to watch it. And also, I mean, has there and you don't have to go into specifics, but has there been have there been co-hosts that you've had that are like, you know, I don't want to do this anymore, whether it's been on good terms or bad terms that have walked away. And you've got listeners going, oh, what happened to Joey? I loved when Joey was on the show. Yeah. No, we haven't had that, which is kind of interesting in in a good way in that we have so many co-hosts who have worked with us. Um, So, yeah, there's I mean, there's been a co-host who has had to step away for a while just because of something that's going on with work or with their family, you know. Briefly, but then they come back after a while, and that that's happened okay. with my main co-host Andy Kunka, uh, where he's had something come up to where for a few months, you know, he may not do much of anything, but I have other co-hosts who will fill in. But of yeah, course. no one's ever. Uh, we've never had bad blood on the comics that's alternative, good. so that's good. It's funny because for a while I was doing guest episodes where essentially a couple of listeners would get together, record some stuff, send it in, I'd put it on the feed. Um, they were doing it on uh, Final Crisis, and it was some great stuff. But they just kind of pod faded on me, and they'd get you know about they got about halfway through the series, and just as a listener, I was a little frustrated. Yeah, you know, as <laughs> as a podcaster, it's like, well, it's not a big deal. I can get other stuff to, to you know. At that point, I was just doing one or two a week. It wasn't a big deal, you know. But it's, I, I think a lot of people underestimate again the time commitment doing a podcast exactly. can be. Oh yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is uh, a much bigger time commitment than you anticipate when you first get into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, to me, the uh, the getting online with a co-host and recording the thing is almost an incidental aspect of the time spent. Be it either the prep work or most certainly the uh, the editing and the the production time of you know, okay, get the ID three tags on it, upload the thing, create the WordPress post, all that kind of minutia. Well, how but, much prep time uh, do you lazy. guys? How much prep time do you guys put into each episode on the average? Do you think? For me, it varies wildly on the type of episode. Um, there are some like a roundtable discussion like this where it's like yeah, the prep time was answering some emails saying, "Sure, I'll do it." Um, <laughs> there are others where it is okay. I've got to go crunch the numbers, put the Excel thing together, write my article, and and be ready to intelligently talk about the sales numbers that's you know eight to ten hours minimum um and then for like one of these tv episodes you know if i'm watching a a series you know the next series of flash or arrow whatever that's going to be 20 some odd hours over the course of many months um so it can it can vary wildly Mm -hmm. yeah mine too i mean when i do for example uh Derek, I know you did your your lost work of Will Eisner this week, and I did mine as well. And, you know, reading that book was pretty quick. But in my standpoint, and you know this, is doing more research and more of the history. So Mm -hmm. I find myself not only reading – the, the the intro by you know Dennis Kitchen and, and the book itself, but I also picked up my Spirit Archives uh, that I have, and I'm rummaging through that for information. I'm rummaging through uh, the Tomorrow's Biography of Will Eisner. I picked up uh, another small book by Bob Greenberger that has Will Eisner a biography. Uh, so I'm I'm doing a lot of, of back work, not just talking about the book that's coming out, but more of the history that's coming out as well. Just trying to find little tidbits here and there and and then doing research on the internet of course yeah i suppose i mean again the research part of it i think is just anything i'd be doing anyway because uh you know a a subject 
interests me enough that I want them on the show. So I do want to, you know, kind of know what I'm talking about. So that's fun for me. And but I guess that is part of the uh, time to produce a show. So I would say that's like one hour or so in terms of scanning some articles, making some notes. You know, I just kind of try if I've got enough time to also just let my mind relax and write down notes in terms of questions I'll want to ask or subjects I'll want to get into. Um, and then doing the actual interview itself is as long as it needs to be. Again, you know, say an hour and 15 minute conversation. And then post-production in terms of everything else and, and the minutia like uh, Mayo was saying and stuff, add another hour to that. So I suppose two hours of prep and post-production and then in the middle – if it's a two-hour interview, that's four hours. If it's an hour and 15, then that's 3.15. Mm-hmm. See, there's some fast math. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's the prep work before that seems to take the most time with with me, and that is just reading the material. It, and not just the books that we're reviewing, because many times when we're reviewing a particular text, if I'm not familiar with some of the previous work, sometimes I'll go back and educate myself so I can talk knowingly about that. Now, this especially becomes important when I'm interviewing someone, and it may be I'm reading a brand new book of theirs, and it's the first time I've picked up anything that they've done, and whether I have the time for it or not, I feel that I have to, um, out of decency, read other things that they've done. And if they have a long backlog, then that can be quite time-consuming and a, a challenge on my time. And the completest part of me wants to read as much of their previous work as as possible before I talk to them. And so, I mean, you know, it, it does vary widely, but it can take uh, several days to, to prepare Derek, for you, a particular show. Do you do you have people on though that you're willing to have on without first saying, "Let me read your stuff and see if I want to have you on"? Because I and I always feel like a jerk saying that, but I do get a lot of requests from independent people that. If their book doesn't interest me, I turn them down. I'm not. I'm not interested. I'm sorry. I'm not really interested in, in devoting that time uh, to. It, from what you've you've sent me, um, if it doesn't speak to me, yeah, sorry. It, just just not. You know, again, I'm not saying that it's a bad book or anything. In some cases, they aren't ready, and they are they are very young creators that it, the work is kind of rough. And I am honest and say, you, you know, you, you really need to like kind of polish the skill a little bit more hmm. because again, in today's wide open frontier. Anyone can do this, including anyone can make a comic book right. as well. You know, that's mm-hmm. so. that's a good question, yeah. John. Now I know that you know your show. Well, is, answer mine first, right? That's, <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. You know, yours yours being interview based, um, you're dealing with different dynamics that, than we are. I cannot think of one occasion where we have interviewed someone that we haven't reached out to. Right now, yeah, every now and okay. again, we will get requests, especially you know, young creators, first-time creators. Oh, I'd like you know, if you here's something sure. I'm doing. This is my first book, or this is a Kickstarter. If you want to, we would appreciate being on the show for an interview. I don't think we've ever done that. However, we have reviewed books on our regular review shows that come to us where people solicit us, and I would say maybe ninety-five, ninety-seven percent of the material that people send to us. And say, if you want to review it on your show or interview us, we don't consider it. I mean, we look at it and it's thanks, but no, no thanks. Either it's not for us or we just don't think that it's quite ready for prime time. And we have – we decided uh, early on before our first episode that we would never review something that we wouldn't recommend because there's so much good stuff out there we don't want to talk about anything that we would give a 
you know, like a bad grade to. So don't read this, sure. we, you know, because we, again, as I mentioned earlier, there's so many good things out there. It, it's painful for us to decide what to cut because oh of time. Well, well so I, you're right. Yeah, because yeah. there is too much good product out there that just from a time standpoint alone, you can't get to everything. Right. Well, that's one of the things where I think my show is a little different because with the Weekly Comic Spotlight, we're picking this stuff two weeks out, basically on what me and my co-host uh, Drew, you know, are, are planning on reading anyways. Um, and sometimes one of us is going to read it, the other one isn't, so we got to talk them into it, whatever. Um, but it's sight unseen. Yeah. So we've had a couple of times where it's like, man, I love the title, but this was not a good issue to review, but it's what we picked. So we have had a couple of things, and I don't try to slam anybody. I try to respect the fact that these creators put their best you know, effort forward and tried to do a good comic. And maybe it was good, just not for me or whatever. But at least try to give them some constructive criticism, even if it didn't work for me. But I've had a number of uh, emails over the years where it's, uh, I'm a creator of thus and so. My book's coming out tomorrow. Which, you know, I'd like to be on your show. And it's like, you know, with our timetable, that just doesn't work if we haven't pre-ordered it or, or whatever. It's like, uh, you know, this is one area where it kind of works for me to, to not really be doing many interviews much at all. Because I can say, well, it just isn't really our format of the show. Um, that having been said, I actually had somebody reach out to me recently with a, hey, I'd like to be on your show. This is what I've got. And I'm like, you know, that looks interesting. I'll you know sure let's let's have you on let's talk about it but gave him fair warning I, i'm gonna want to ask these sorts of you know stuff beyond just exactly what you're wanting to come on and talk about kind of the bigger picture stuff mm -hmm. you know it sometimes the requests i get indicate they some of the people haven't really listened to my show and that always surprises me and disappoints me a little oh yeah See, I, whenever I, we I get try to do that too I'm sorry, Derek. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, whenever we get emails that we can tell or form letters, we don't even consider them. <laughs> oh, you know, Derek, we all we all get the yeah. same form. Yeah, exactly. We all, yeah, we, I could ran off five of them right now. But as far as like constructive criticism, like like John was saying, um, I guess I come from a different perspective because I'm not, you know, the guy who listens to my show isn't spending three fifty for a comic, right? He's spending. Mm. You know, a hundred dollars for a book yeah, or, yeah. or hard earned money. And so, so, you know, I try to be very brutally honest if this is going to be worth your time. Um, and that's kind of how I review. Now I do review things that I like, uh, but occasionally I do find flaws and there are a couple of things that, uh, kind of, I guess mildly pissed me off in the industry when things get collected more than once over the course of a year or things have come out, um, you know, in a format that just isn't right, uh, that they could be done better. Um, it, it's funny. I mentioned on my show a few weeks ago, I did a, a rundown of, of Mike Mignola, DC, uh, uh, Batman comics. And, uh, I'm like, man, I really wish that DC would stop with these little trades and, and do a DC collection of Mike Mignola. And sure enough, I, I'm reading Heidi's blog today. <laughs> and it I comes across, it. there's a DC collection of Mike Mignola coming out. And I'm like, damn if the DC editors didn't listen to my show last week. <laughs> that's awesome. No, and you know, honestly, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Chris is really dealing with the entire product, not just the comic content, but the production side of it mm -hmm. as well. Is this thing going to fall apart on you? Is the binding good? Is the glue, you know, decent oh, and stuff? And, you know, absolutely. I've heard you. I, 
I, I'm well aware of it, dude. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and it's two things for me because sometimes people do ask me, how come you don't do any reviews? And it's like, well, there's a lot of books out there. If you don't hear that person, one of two things, I either haven't gotten to that book yet, or I should say book, not person, but I either haven't gotten to that book yet, or frankly, no, I'm not, I'm not, or three things. Haven't gotten to them, not interested, or frankly, uh, you know, that it doesn't speak to me, or no, I don't like it. And like, you know, Derek said, why waste time on stuff you don't like? So I want to say real fast, though, because I looked up that show that I was mentioning um, that's on Netflix. It's an episode of the show called, is it Easy? Easy. Yes, Easy. It's an anthology Orlando show. Bloom. Yeah. And, and yes, Orlando Bloom, Malin Ackerman. And there's one episode where Mark Marin uh, plays – uh, an autobiographical cartoonist, and it was apparently, uh, let's see, Chris Ware, Chris Ware. Uh, Bob Jimmy Fingerman, Hart, yeah. and, uh, and Jeffrey Brown. Yeah, Jeffrey drew the comics. Uh, Chris Mike, Ware makes Mike's... a cameo appearance. Yes. And, yeah, um, uh, Bob Fingerman, minimum wage guy, uh, who is friends with Marin and stuff, he, uh, he was a consultant on the episode and everything. So, uh, yeah, there's a very alternate alternative comic-related uh, media property that maybe you should watch. Yep, definitely. There you go, man. <laughs> more more so, stuff to watch. Interesting, yeah. interesting stuff. But yeah, I don't, you know, I mean, that's the thing. So I never feel back to mind that nonsense. I don't feel compelled to do reviews. Um, and again, I, I uh, yeah, I talk to these guys usually at the beginning of an arc or an end of an arc. And also, not to give guys a pass, because I am curious, when, especially when you're dealing with DC or Marvel, when an event fails, if someone's willing to come on, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to have them on to admonish them, but honestly ask them and go, what do you think happened? Because... Everyone's writing and drawing this stuff with the best of intentions and are trying to make entertaining stuff. And I also feel that there's a lot of in the five part and six part and even more uh, multi-part stories, something might happen in issue one or issue two, like Captain America, Hail Hydra, and the Mm -hmm. Internet goes crazy. And I laugh because it's like, yeah, it's the beginning of the story. It should provoke you. There should be some sort of upset to the status quo that might lead to an interesting problem that the hero is going to have to find his way out of. That's what they're trying to do. So, like, and, and too many books, they would never do that. This sucks. And it's just like, well, you no, know, you haven't gotten to the important part of the story. You're on chapter one or chapter two. Relax. Don't write a, you know, your treatise about how, you know, now that Captain America's with Hydra, my life is ruined. Weird people. Don't judge the story until it's over. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was awesome twist, by the way. I love that twist. Absolutely. It's fun. It's still a fun story. It's. I mean, that's the thing. And Civil War is only making it more interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think. Whatever. (laughs) Well, guys, I know that earlier we were talking about the length of our podcast episodes. And, you know, we've been talking for quite a while. Um, (laughs) But, uh, yeah. So maybe we should uh, start to, to to wrap up, and uh, uh, maybe we can once again tell you know what our podcasts are, the URL. I'm sure our listeners already know, but there may be listeners of my show that may not know about uh, Chris's, or a listener of Suntress's show that may not know about one of mine. So uh, as, as we go out, let's introduce ourselves again and talk about what we do and where to find us. I'll start wordballoon.com. Uh, you know, that's the, that's the website. And, uh, you know, I have shows that come out pretty much weekly, sometimes more than weekly, sometimes less. But uh, one-on-one interviews with, inter- uh, with creators and people of media. And uh, it's fun and I enjoy doing it. And it's a, a good, intense one-on-one conversation. That's it. 
uh, Chris Marshall with CollectedComicsLibrary.com. And uh, my show is all about collected editions and reprints, both uh, classic and new. And I'm John Mayo with the Comic Book Page podcast. Uh, Every Monday, we do the weekly comic spotlight where we review one comic from DC, one from Marvel, and one from some other publisher. Um, Once a month, we do an episode on how the comic books are selling in the the direct market, uh, an episode on how the trade paperbacks are selling, uh, another episode, the preview spotlight, where listeners send in clips and tell you what they're excited about that's in the new uh, previews catalog. We also do uh, roundtable discussions like this sort of an episode uh, and other episodes on a, you know, as we get around to it basis on various uh, TV shows, movies, uh, conventions we've been to, um, things like that. Oh, cool. And it's uh, comicbookpage.com. Yeah. And, you know, I'm Derek, one of the co-hosts of the Comics Alternative, which can be found at comicsalternative.com. We're two guys with PhDs talking about comics, but there are actually more than just two guys now doing the podcast, because in addition to doing our weekly review show that goes up every Wednesday, we have uh, interviews that go up whenever we do them. And we have uh, at least right now five ongoing monthly series, an on-location show where I visit my local shop and talk with customers and employees to see what they're reading. And then we have monthly shows devoted to manga, European comics, and web comics, as well as a monthly show for comics for young readers. And then we do specials, so we got a lot going on. And again, that's comicsalternative.com. You know, I want to thank all of you for taking the time and doing this special episode. I thought it only appropriate it being, or this, this going up on the 30th of September, International Podcast Day, that we talk about podcasting in the way that we do it, and that is through comics. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks for inviting us. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Good conversation. My pleasure, guys. slots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time (gasps) no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.